Hi, this is the Clydesdale Crossfitter and Friends. I am Scott Schweitzer, and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. My friends, Amy Rodowski, Charlie Yodi, along with myself, are just average ordinary Crossfitters who participate to compete at life. However, we love the sport of CrossFit, and we wanna bring you the latest news from the Open to the Sanctionals, all the way to the Games. We will be doing interviews with athletes and sharing our daily struggle in the gym and in the kitchen. If you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you would like to be so kind as to give us a rating, that would be appreciated greatly. Now let's get to this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Again, as always with me this week, I have Amy Radowski. Hey. And Charlie Odie. Hello, hello. So it is now the start of the sanctional season. We had a big sanctional this weekend, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, but first, I wanted to get to a couple things that were just on my mind this week and uh, kind of get your opinion on that. And the first one is... Um, I just heard someone kind of talk about uh, the equality between men and women in CrossFit and how that's really unique in the sports world. The women are treated just as, as importantly as men. They get just as much television coverage. They get just as much, and if not more, because uh, they are very popular. But the prize purses are the exact same at the sanctionals. They're the same at the games. So men and women are treated equally in CrossFit. And I just wanted, I thought that was kind of cool. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Well, you know, definitely being a woman, um, I love that. That is uh, where it stands in CrossFit. But I would say additionally to the equal prize purses that I feel like uh, females also get equal amount of attention in this sport. Meaning like if you hear about people going to, um, you know, NBA games, you don't hear about very many people going to the WNBA, but this, you have just as many fans for the female athletes, I think that you do for the male athletes. And for me, um, you know, just having that recognition is fantastic. And uh, yeah, financially too. I mean, that's just the way it should be. So uh, yes, I applaud CrossFit, but it should be that way. Anything, Charlie? No, I agree. Um, I think definitely that's, you know, when you see these type of discrepancies, it's the, the thought is that there's there's more people watching, you know, men's basketball or men's football. But here in CrossFit, it's, um, you know, Matt Frazier just as much as you know Tia Toomey. Um, you know, she gets the same recognition walking down the street as, as some of the other guys. If not, if not, you probably know more of the female athletes than you do the actual male athletes. So, yeah, that's something that, that when I was at the games live, I, I would say the women actually draw bigger crowds than the men. And I think that it's, it's not that people like the women better than the men, but the men, the men's division is kind of top heavy, right? Very unpredictable. Or I mean, very predictable. Yep. You have Fitkowski, Vellner, Frazier, and then, Somebody may flash here or there, but really that's that's about it. Yeah. And last year we didn't even have Fitkowski and Vellner in the finals. Um, it, it was just you know like BKG having a good year, um, but he had, doesn't put he doesn't string those together like a Fraser does. In the women's division, 
you have like you have 10 women capable of really doing well. And so I think that just it's better competition on the women's side. I think secretly it's a um, you know, when you see, for example, in the, in the games, the the um, was it the clean event? Where Amanda and Tia were doing two twenty five, two thirty five, you know, they're they're men who can't do that. So it's it's a secret. Like these girls are awesome. Yeah, there's they a can... deep respect for that for sure. I, and I, I hope this doesn't come off wrong, but I'll let you know if it does. But when when I see the women do those weights, it's more realistic to me. So it make it's easier for me to watch. Where when. Rich snatches 300 pounds. That is inconceivable to me. Right. Sure. I totally agree. And actually, there's often times where, you know, I see these weights that some of these elite men are putting up and I'll have to ask, you know, guys in our gym, hey, what what's your snatch? Just so I can have some kind of comparison of what, what that really is. Just because to me, all of that weight is out of my league anyway. So I have to have some kind of... So just to let you know, it's like coal <laughs> to a diamond. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just that gap is yeah. about what it is. Well, good. I, I really like. I thought that was an interesting thing that they brought up, and I just wanted to to get your opinion on that. I I think it's important. So the other thing that kind of came up this week, and I don't know if I missed it, uh, but I saw it on social media that Alex Anderson retired, and I was a little sad because. Uh, I have worked regional several years. Alex is in our region, and he was he was always just a great guy to be around. Super friendly, uh, really good with the crowd. I just liked him a lot, and I was really kind of saddened to see that that he decided to retire. Uh, you guys have been around the game a while. You've watched Alex a ton. What are your thoughts? He's very handsome. <laughs> Yes, I've heard that a lot from a lot of different people. Uh, and I, I loved the whole family aspect of it, too. When I uh, volunteered at regionals, too, you know, his dad was there. Um, and, you know, he's got a brother that was competing in a different area. So I just loved the, the family, you know, kind of aspect of that. I'm not totally surprised that this happened. I think he's been kind of quiet on social media. And I know that... Um, you know, he just got married recently and they just had a baby. So I'm not totally surprised by him just maybe deciding that this is the time he wants to settle down and, and not compete. But I mean, it's disappointing. Yes. Because he was a great athlete. I think what really saddens me is if there is a Clydesdale in the elite division of men, he was kind of that guy, right? Yeah. Could, could lift a house, um, was a bigger athlete, uh, he was really good at gymnastics, but the weight of his body hanging on the bar was definitely a detriment at times. And he overcame that enough to make the games what four or five times. Yeah, at least. Um, and so he's a, he's a true inspiration for that larger CrossFitter uh, out there who uh, is really struggles day to day just to do the, the day to the basic gymnastics work and, and things like that. So, and I just want to add that he wears facial hair really well. Like I, I told you he was handsome. I, I mean, he's definitely handsome, but I mean, he, he rocks that mustache. I'm just, just <laughs> throwing it out there. I, I need to, to add that this adds to the importance of CrossFit. I'm sure we'll see him on a, a team at some point in a year or two, or that seems the way they, these guys are all ending up. Yeah. And gals. 
Yeah, could be the Brett Favre syndrome. We'll see him. Masters division, (laughs) something. So let's move on to, as we talk about a lot on this podcast, the penalties that came out for 20.4. Most of the penalties, again, this week were minor penalties. Uh, There were two major ones levied. One was to Cedric LaPointe, and that's kind of the one I want to focus on. Uh, The other major penalty didn't really impact who was going to the games. The Cedric LaPointe one did. Uh, he He was under the cut line, so that meant he was going to the games. He was at Filthy 150 competing in the sanctional when he learned that he no longer had an invite to the games due to the major penalty. For, and it was for lack of extension on the pistols. So, wow. Ouch. <laughs> That's got to bring down your spirit as you're yeah. in the middle of a competition. So what I mean, you once viewed as maybe a tune-up, maybe get some prize money, now all of a sudden becomes, I need to win. Really important. Right. Uh, and we'll get into whether he was able to win or not. Uh, in a few minutes, but yeah, I just thought that was really unique that here you are at a sanctional, your one, your one other opportunity to kind of qualify for the games and you learn that you lost your spot. And then conversely, you have Sean Sweeney right on the bubble, not knowing if he's in or not. And he's at the same sanctional mm-hmm. and he learns that eh, maybe I am in. Right. Yeah. So that was just kind of unique. What just an observation I wanted to make. So speaking of the filthy 150, let's talk about it. It was held in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, and we talked about on the last podcast that they were going to run it later in the day, so it would broadcast in America at a normal time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, for us on the East Coast, it was nine thirty a.m. I think yep. they started. Yep. Yeah. Nine thirty. Um, so it was. I thought it was a really well done event. The first thing I want to talk about is the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a regionals esque broadcast. I agree. You had several different outlets you could watch it on, but some great commentators actually doing the events. So did you like the fact that they changed in and out the different broadcasters? I found it to be so I thought parts of it were nice to watch and have it announced, but then there were certain events where I was like, there's nobody talking. I have no idea what's happening. I just tuned in and there's, I don't know who's in the lead when it was the bike run event. So we'll get to the bike run event okay. and, and that part. Okay. Because I, that's different than I think the rest of the broadcast. Okay. Yep. So I think what you're referring to on the rest of the broadcast is the early heats just like in regionals, Mm -hmm. did not have commentators. Yes. Yes. And then the later heats, they brought in the people, like the last two heats of every event. Uh, That was very regionals-esque. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't like watching without the commentators. Um, So I would, if I was watching it like a playback, I would fast forward through that to get to where I knew what was going on a little bit better. Yeah. Um, But it had a running clock which a lot of the sanctions last year did not have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did like that because I hate when you don't know like how far into the workout they are. Yeah. Um, I think the one disappointing thing, when you have people like Mads and 
and Sean Woodland and Tommy Marquez. Um, Armin Hammer, this was his first. Yeah, that was neat to watch Armin Hammer. Um, they made a lot of mistakes on who was doing what. Yeah. They they called the wrong name a yeah. lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I So for me, that was a little bizarre because they've been doing this a long time. Right. Sure. It makes you wonder what feed they were watching. Like if maybe they were getting a different angle than we were seeing or what what was happening because I, I did notice that as well. Yeah, you would, you would think they would have them on the floor so they could see the whole floor to be able to see right. what's going on. But maybe they didn't. Maybe they had them in a TV truck like yeah. they did yeah. at the games last year. So. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, because there was one, well, I mean, several events, but I remember them. It was uh, one of the events where it was Dan Bailey, and they were like, and uh, Dan Bailey in the army colored shirt, and just everything was off. And I was like, that's not where Dan Bailey is. I know exactly where Dan Bailey is. And Right. Yeah. Back. But if you um, if you watched a lot of the sanctions last year, the some of the broadcasts were really bad. Yes. So I thought the, this was pretty good, good quality, uh, clear picture. Mm-hmm. They bounced around the floor a lot. The floor was designed well yep. with the block out, so you could tell that they had moved forward. It didn't have the CrossFit uh, production of the rep scheme on the floor. Uh, but it did have the block, so you kind of knew yeah. they were moving forward. And you you may be able to speak to this. It seemed like there were a lot more judges out there than normal. It seemed like every movement there was like a separate judge for each. So thing that happening. that actually happens at regionals. Uh, every movement, or pro- if it's a close proximity, maybe not. But if you're moving down the floor a lot, there was a separate judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember like the one was handstand push-ups to toes to bar, mm-hmm. right side by side. That was the same judge. But then you go out to box jumps and there was a different judge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's common uh, because us judges aren't necessarily in as good a shape as the athletes and to run with them down the floor. Well, yeah, that's what I, I was thinking. A lot of the, some of the sanctionals I watched last year, it didn't seem like they had as many judges as this one was more of a – like you were saying, that regionals feel of it. Yeah, that that could be true. Yeah. So, broadcast, I would give you know an A minus compared to what I saw last year. Um, the events. What did you guys think of the events? I I was could not stop like the whole the rope climbing and running event was totally. I mean, that was just really interesting to me, like to see them do an unbroken rope climb. Like I would have never even considered or thought about that. First, I was like, what do they mean unbroken when I saw it written? But um, and and to see them, some of those athletes like barely be able to complete the workout was I found pretty interesting. A lot of them not be able to complete the workout. What I thought I would say that was one of my highlights of the event is, is this new concept of an unbroken rope climb. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who didn't see it, it is you, it was a short rope, so it was off the ground. So you had to go legless just to get up high enough to get your feet on it. You could then use your feet to get to the top of the rope. But at that point you had to release your legs, come down legless and go below a tape mark at the bottom of the rope with both hands below the tape and then reascend up. And once you got high enough, you could pinch your feet again, but you had to get up high enough 
to do that. And that's where, that was where the difficulty was for many of the athletes. Sure. Especially the more rounds that they would get through. Mm-hmm. And the rope wasn't high enough off the ground. So you had to come down in almost an L-sit-ish fashion at the bottom. So you had to hold an L-sit and reascend. The, the part that I found um, interesting from that is that after they descended, a lot of them would want to try to, you know, uh, use their bodies to sort of kip to get up. But there wasn't enough distance between the hay that was down there. So they were unable to kip to get back up there. They, so they had no choice but to put their feet down and then it would be a no rep. And that's another piece of it is that it was all outside. So you've got the, the weather element, which it looked like it was pretty chilly out there the way people were dressed. Um, that that's a, a factor. So the first day the teams did that move and it was colder the first day. They really struggled uh, because the rope was so cold. The next day there was some still struggle with the individuals, but it was a little bit better for them because uh, I saw some people still pop the top and went shirtless. Uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, course. it's CrossFit. Yeah. I see that at football games too. So, yeah. So that was... That was really interesting, um, and I thought a, a great event. Yeah, I, I did enjoy watching that event because as you know how amazing these athletes are, and to see them struggle at something um, just lets you know of how difficult that really is. So the other one that I, I – there was a couple more that I thought were really good, and Charlie, if you have any, just jump in. I'll go with the next one. Uh, I liked the bike, toes-to-bar, sandbag for distance that was a a unique event too yeah so there were sandbag cleans that you had to move 20 meters total 10 meters down 10 meters back so when you threw it over your shoulder you wanted to almost like limbo it Mm -hmm. to get it as far down the lane as possible so you had to do less cleans uh that was very interesting and that crushed uh, I know Stephanie Chung, that pretty much eliminated her yeah. from games a game spot. Yeah, and then there was a, a strategy on do you walk backwards to it? Do you turn around and walk to it? Uh, you don't want to throw it too far over the line because then you got longer to throw it back the same direction you're going. So it was definitely a different strategy for part of that. And and the the other piece of the strategy was uh, they were on a Sunday drive on the on the assault bike. Yes. <laughs> it looked like my speed. Uh, on an assault wow. bike because they didn't want to burn out their legs for the cleans. Right. I missed that event, but so, and then the winner of that event on the women's side was Sam Briggs, which was actually a little bit of a shocker for me. Uh, Sarah had the lead mm-hmm. and Sam was just so she got a roll on her sandbag that nobody else got. Yeah. She always has, seems to do something where it's, it, somehow the advantage becomes hers as she does some. I don't know if it's the firefighter thing or what yeah, is it. Or, and so she's the, a veteran in the sport. So the sandbag is a pill shape. Right. It's not round. It's it, or it's round, but it's flat. She lifted it on its side, threw it, so it would roll on its side, where the other people were throwing it like a traditional sandbag clean, the pill side up, and it would just go flop. And that's a technical term. Flop. Flop. Yep. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Flop. <laughs> so that was a good one for me. Charlie, you got? Um, I like the um, the back squat bar muscle up 21-15-9 uh, that they did. Um, 
I actually tried that yesterday and I got destroyed from it. But um, yeah, with the men at one eighty five on a back squat from the ground is it's a it gets tough real fast. And then go do some bar muscle ups while you're uh, while you're at it. So did, I ripped. Did you work it's on fine. your mobility prior? Always. To that? Okay, just checking. An open gym, of course. Oh, okay, of course. Did, I'm sure you warmed up properly. Sorry. <laughs> Do you have any other ones, Amy? Yeah, I, I was going to point out, uh, I was interested in watching the dumbbell uh, workout where they did the single arm thrusters. Mm. I mean... I'm not saying I necessarily want to do that, but I like just different movements than we're, we're used to seeing. It, it was fun to watch because of the, the technical expertise it took to do that. Right. I am betting Charlie and I would kill ourselves. 100%. <laughs> yes, Our I front- remember the dumbbell, both dumbbell thrusters. <laughs> I'm 100% getting hit in the head with one of those dumbbells. Yeah. Our front rack mobility is so stellar Yes, that that would have gone well. Uh, the other one that I thought was really interesting from a strategy standpoint was the ski erg handstand walk. Yes. Because you had to handstand walk every two minutes. And then in the other time, ski erg with everything you had. Yep. And for the men, it was 1,000 meters. For the women, it was 750. But so many people got caught with just a few meters left and had to go do the full handstand walk. And then come back and do 23 meters. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really cool element. Uh, there was a gymnast, um, Andrea Solberg. Nice. We'll take uh, it. She won that event for the women, and it was so fast. Yeah. You barely saw her move. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then on the men's side, they went, one person went sub four. So they only had to do two handstand walks, the zero and the two. Wow. Uh, and I can't remember who that was. Oh, Because he almost broke the uh, skier. He almost broke the handles off the skier. He was pulling it so hard. It was Tim Paulson. I was, I was going to ask if it was Tim Paulson. That's who it was. I think he showed up. If you watch it, it looks like that skier is hurting afterwards. And Drew Wayman lucked out. I don't know if you saw this. He actually finished 403 because on his last pull of the ski erg, when the four minutes hit, the rollover got him done so he didn't have to do the handstand walk. Yes, I did see that. What was the problem with the broadcast, too, where there was one row that wasn't showing up? I think that was just a technical glitch from Concept 2 because they borrowed that technology from Concept 2. And they showed the skiers, the little... Skiers going across the screen. Yeah. And Roman Krenikoff, uh, apparently his his little cartoon skier didn't get the paperwork to get into the competition. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's funny. And then the the last event, if you, and you guys have, have any others, just jump in. But the the one rep max snatch, I always like the power the power display, and what Sarah Sigmund's daughter did. 95 kilos, mm-hmm. uh, which is over 200 pounds, I believe. And then she went for 100 kilos, which was 220, and almost got it. Yeah, it was very close. Uh, that is that is big weight on the women's side. And she looked solid. Yeah. She really did. And on the men's side, Will Morad and Tim Paulson tied for the lead on that one. Uh, at I think it was a hundred and 
160, 160 maybe? Sounds about right. I'm probably Done wrong. wrong. Yeah, let's, I we'll go to right. my notes that I took while I was watching. Yeah, we'll just go with his right. We can have a corrections corner next one. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes we made in last week's episode. I have to say, I really feel like Tim Paulson showed up and uh, to the filthy 150. He did. He looked really good. Um, he finished 17th in the open, I think. Mm-hmm. So he got his spot already. Yeah. And he was just there to tune up and win some prize money. And I have to say, I'm a huge Will Morad fan. And I was so thrilled that he was back at the games this past year. And, I mean, watching him was awesome. And then he had that hamstring injury. He still participated, but, you know, didn't do as well as he probably would have liked to because he took him out. Um, So just seeing him back in the competition, you know, it's just – I love that. I was cheering for him all weekend just because I'm fascinated by him as an athlete. And he said in an interview that he didn't have much training time because of the hamstring. Yes. So he, he's just getting started now for his season. So, and then the other, the other big highlight, you know, Columbus boy lives here, Dan Bailey to get to see him back on the competition floor. Uh, I think for him, it was just to test his body and see what it was capable of. And there were some events he did really, really well. Yep. Yeah. And there were some events that didn't go so well. Sure. Um, he won an event. Uh, it was the burpee box and jump deadlift. And deadlift. Yeah. And he was flying. Yes. He was really flying. Uh, he did, it was what, nine burpee box jump overs, 15 mm-hmm. deadlifts. 21 burpee 21 box, burpee box mm-hmm. jump overs. Needed it in 130 something. That was a very fast event. <laughs> Yeah. Very fast. At 130, I'm still working on my nine burpee box jump overs. Hey. He was like a rabbit over those We lines. all have our own fitness levels. So. Yeah, it was great seeing him back on the competition floor. I mean, just watching him from, you know, doing a lot of the announcing on the Iron Games and, you know, we've seen him locally here. I've done some competitions locally that he's, you know, kind of just dropped in at not competing at the same ones with him, but he's just dropped in and he's just a great local, um, great local athlete and love to see him out on the big stage. Yeah. And even that the snatch event we were talking about, he, um, you know, it looked like he hit 35 pound, 35 pound PR, um, coming off all those surgeries and everything. So, you know, that's to me, that's a great win in itself. Yeah. So, the last thing we want to talk about is the team competition and I don't, I'm not, we're not going to get into it in detail. Uh, the big, th- I just want to say overarching, they had a couple really cool events. They had, um, a one rep squat clean and you had to handstand walk before each one. And so it was one guy, one girl that you would handstand, walk down, do a squat clean, tag the partner. They would handstand, walk back and do their squat clean. And you got to pick your weight and it, the score was total weight lifted for your team. Ooh. So the first 10 minutes were the first two, second 10 minutes were the second two, and it was total weight moved. During the- so do you go light and faster on your handstand walk so that you can? Uh, and that was one that uh, Team Nation, which was, was the one team that I actually knew the members of, mm-hmm. so I was watching a lot. They did really well in. Yeah. 
because uh, Paul Tremblay, I didn't know, but he can handstand walk really well, and he can lift a lot of weight. So he didn't go conservative on either. <laughs> uh, and Craig Kinney did the same thing. He was he was handstand walking as fast as Carolyn Reason Tebow could keep up with him to get back down the floor to be tagged after a squat clean. Yeah. So that was a pretty cool event. But overall, it's tough to get into the team event when there's not a lot of names involved. And really, Team Nation was the only one that I knew, mm-hmm. and they didn't even podium. Yeah. I think the team that won had – there was a guy from the, the demo Ramwads, team. Right? It was Ramwad. Meatheads. Uh, yeah, Ramwad Meatheads okay. won the team competition, yep. and they're going to the games. Brooke Haas is on that team. Yep. So she's a game, a former games competitor. So I knew her. That's the only person on that team that I knew. Yeah, the only one I knew was Chris Harris, who was a, it was on the demo team last year. Okay. Um, he had tore his pec two years ago in the dreaded ring, ring <laughs> terror, right. ter- tower of terror that was where everybody was everybody. tearing their, their pecs. So yeah, the team the team finished uh, Ramwad Meat Squad. Where it was the first team. Second was the program. Third was the athlete program, which got really confusing when they were both programs and they were so close to each other uh, during the competition. But that was the podium. Team Nation was Jen Smith, Craig Kinney, Paul Tremblay, and Caroline Reason Tebow. They finished fourth. So it goes back to that super team or team that works together all the time. Right. And this competition showed the team that works together all the time did much better than the super team. Sure. And Team Nation posted after on Instagram, who knows, hashtag who knows, hashtag maybe our only one, hashtag maybe not. So I don't know if they're going to stick together or or what. Yes, we'll see. Are you going to tell us the winners of the individuals? I am. Okay. So we're going to go through the podium finishers. This is Filthy 150. And on the women's side, um, the the winner was Sarah Sigmund's daughter, and she pretty much dominated. She this really competition. did. She that was awesome. Kristen Holta was second, <laughs> and she was right behind her, like the whole time. They finished one place apart in like all but one event. Uh, so, even though Sarah was winning a lot of events, Kristen was coming in second, so the point spread never got real big. Yeah. It was, so it was, a, it was a close race, for sure. Third was Emma McQuaid, and she was a little bit further back than those two. Fourth was Andrea Solbert, as what they said on the, uh, it looks like Andrea Solberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came in fourth, and she is the first person in order to not already have a games invite. So that was her ticket to the games. That's awesome. Uh, some notables were Sam Briggs came in fifth. So Sam Briggs was one place out of getting her bid. Uh, sixth was, uh, is it Stephanie Chung? Yes. Stephanie Chung. And eighth was Kelsey Keel. And Kelsey Keel's kind of the Clydesdale crossfitter of the women's side. Yes. <laughs> she was tossing that sandbag like it was nothing. So then on the, women, the men's side, it was a lot easier for that ticket to the games because the person who won does not have a ticket to the games. And that was Justin Madero. Madero? Yeah. He is Canadian. We should talk about his hairstyle. Go I ahead. Mean, they just were very, uh, 
very it, much those commentators were pointing out his mullet several, several times. I mean, it was his good luck mullet. It was. I mean, yeah, he it had, worked for him. He, it did, totally worked for him. He had the curls and everything. Yeah. I mean, he was rocking I that think mullet. He got it permed and everything. <laughs> I mean, he was ready to go. Uh, so, second was Roman Krennikov, uh, the, the Russian who has qualified for the games twice and has not been able to get the visa paperwork to show up in Madison. Oh, that's my start joke working from on earlier that. in the podcast uh, that his cartoon skier didn't yes. get the paperwork. But didn't get the paperwork. And third was Tim Paulson. Uh, his other notables were Will Morad was sixth, uh, Sean Sweeney was seventh, and Dan Bailey was 16th. I don't think Dan was looking to podium yeah, or even just finish to get top out 10. There. He just wanted to see what his body was capable of at this That's point. And he's an old man now. He's 35. He's so he is no I, I like 40 to be plus. 60. He is not. He cannot have a punch card to 30, 40 plus yet. So the tickets to the games were Andrea Solbert, Justin Madero, and Ramwad Meat Squad. So that's who's going to the games. So I think we've hit the filthy 150 enough, maybe? No. no. I need you to go back to why the broadcast, when you said we would go back to when it got quiet on the bike event. Okay, so that was an event that I thought was cool. I thought the location was cool. But the way they ran the heats made it impossible to know who was even in what heat. Right. So they ran, they alternated men's and women's heats, start times, and they started on the bike, and then they finished with their, it was a 4K, 3K bike, something like that? Yes. And then they had to finish with a 1K run. And it was at a, it was at a racetrack. Right. So it actually was a really cool looking event if, if they would have had drones flying over. Right. Or yeah. right. It looks like they had like one drone, so get, I think. But, right. We had a couple people with cameras walking around, and right. you, you didn't even know where in the race people were. Yeah, I had no idea what was going and on. And you had multiple heats going into the fray, and it was just laps around this racetrack, so right. you had no idea who was in what heat. So I think, while I think that the announcers had to go quiet because they had no clue who was sure. where. Okay. Right. Just to defend them. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's not necessarily to them. I'm just saying as a spectator watching it, it was lacking. So I think with a good production team, like in, in a little more budget, where you could have a drone mm-hmm. or something or a boom that would go high enough that you could get an aerial shot of different things and maybe not run the heat so close together. Yeah. Or just run them just put them all out in there and yeah. like they do at the games. Yeah. Right. Swim, run, swim, whatever. Everybody goes together and three, two, one. Go. Now, one of the interesting things about that though, is you have a, none of the athletes knew what anybody else was doing. So, you know, if Sam Briggs was done, you don't really know what her time is. So you can't really say, Oh, I can pull back or I can go harder. I just got to go because yeah, I don't know anybody's point. heat times. I don't know anybody would what they've done so a lot of times they were showing people finishing like Kristen Holty finished but Sarah was still out there but Sarah was out there less time than her so it was a it was a gobbledygook of things but I think that was one of the most surprising finishes too 
because Sarah ended up winning that on the women's side. Right. And that is not what I would say is Sarah's strength. And that goes to show you how dominant she was right. in yeah. this event. To win, a, I know she's a good cyclist, but running is not necessarily her forte. Right. And to win a, an event with running, a 1K run, pretty good. Pretty good on Sarah. Sure. Maybe it's that ninth coach that she has in nine years that, that's working out for her. Her new coach is no one. Right. Uh, and what I did like, and the other thing, just to finish this off, is what I loved about Sarah and a lot of the athletes was when they were done with each eat, taking selfies with the crowd. Yes, uh, they were around. fantastic about that. They were awesome with the crowd. And so commendable that that's why CrossFit is awesome. That's why I started to love this sport is that the athletes are very accessible and they're very cool. Uh, and they take the time to be, to hang out with the, the crowds that are there. So let's finish up like we always do. What was the best thing you saw on the, on social media or the internet this week? Well, um, for me, I think, you know, we started the podcast talking about how the women and the equality in this sport and Noble just put out a project of um, at the uh, film festival of, of something uh, basically telling stories of three of CrossFit's most well-known women, Tia Toomey, um, Catherine David's daughter, Catherine Davis, daughter, excuse me, and Brooke, um, and Brooke Wells. So, you know, all noble athletes, but, um, you know, ones who have actually changed the sport because they've all become, have actually left Reebok and gone to noble. So I think that's a, you know, that's one of the things that's really changing this sport. And that is how big noble's getting in our sport. So, uh, but it's a good watch. It's on noble's, um, website. You can watch the whole film. It's just a good look. I will have to check that out. I didn't know it was available to everyone. I did hear too that they're also they did an eight minute preview of Heber and Mars's The Fittest. Yes, I cannot wait for that. Uh, looking at last year's season, uh, the lead up to the games and the games themselves. So, mm-hmm. Charlie, do you remember when we went to the movie theater to watch The Froning Four? Yes, yes, I do. That was really fun. I wish they would put this one in a, the big theater. Like I would love to watch this in the. the big well, weren't theater. we all there? We're, I didn't. I didn't remember. If I went were. with you know the, the friend of Bill Henniger, Brent oh. Sprinkles McCarty. Oh, <laughs> my bad. I couldn't remember who I was there. I just we specifically were sat next knew because <laughs> he's the one that got the tickets because he was Mister Rogue at the time. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to say my favorite thing from the internet this week comes from a meme maker that we all follow. Not a local one here, but Fluffy Duck. Uh Uh-oh. Those of you who don't follow Fluffy Duck on Instagram should. He creates many memes that make me laughing. But just yesterday morning, I uh, opened up my phone when I was first waking up and just kind of looking and was was laughing hysterically in bed just he had a a video where it's it's somebody dancing and and all these words keep coming at him and then the person dancing is just kind of saying no thank you next to the ariana grande song and i just thought it was fantastic because it's all the moves that people hate you know it's you know running and thrusters and burpees and it just it just made my morning start off funny so 
That sounds really good. Yeah. He always puts out good stuff. He does. Yes, he does. But um, this was like top 10 for me, one of his best. It would involve dancing. It, you're right. So that's not and, a shocker. And music, so yeah. So, you know, I've been sappy and sentimental in my best things of the week so far. I'm not going there this week. So the best thing I saw this week was the full chest tattoo of Matt Frazier. All right. Uh, yep. I, that was a surprise to me. Yeah. I know he talks like this artist that he has do his, the last two tattoos is this famous guy in Italy and he doesn't always get a chance to see him. And he was over in Paris promoting Nike stuff and, uh, and he met with this tattoo artist and apparently sat down for a few days. Uh, yeah. If you see the size of it, it's, he had to <laughs> and be there a while. it blends in with the existing tattoo on his right shoulder. Yes. Uh, but it is the entire chest. Now, my question about this is, uh, when he grows the full chest hair, right. are you going to see it anyway? Right. Apparently, he's going to have to keep shaving that chest down. Yeah. Those, those are big questions. He could just keep it on his, keep the hair on his back. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe he's going to start waxing. Uh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're gonna pay the money to have that artwork, I would think you would want that showing. Yeah, I yeah, I was shocked because that is like all the chest. Yeah, yes, it is. Well, if we have nothing else, it was a great week. Um, I do want to let everybody know that it is coming up on Thanksgiving, so we want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. We'll probably be taking the week off for Thanksgiving. There are no sanctionals happening this week, uh, so we'll probably take the week off as well, and we'll be back with you in two weeks uh, when the Pandaland championships happen as well as the South Fit. I probably don't have that correct. It's the Buenos, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires uh, event is happening in South America. They're happening in the same weekend. We'll probably do a recap of both of those. Uh, what we may do is split that up so we don't are like giving away all of our family time to watch two CrossFit events <laughs> right. in one weekend. Well, uh, okay, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so with that, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, most of all, we're thankful for you that listened to this podcast, and we'll look forward to talking to you again in two weeks. Peace out, everyone. Peace. See ya. This is Ben, the Clydesdale CrossFitter and friends. Thank you so much for joining us. If you liked what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a rating. We would really appreciate that. We're available on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So subscribe on your favorite app and we would greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much for being with us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends.